Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our listeners joining us today. This is Sometimes Baseball, and I'm Will Heisentruitt. And today, I'm joined once again by writer, journalist, editor, broadcaster, former communications and corporate communications intern, former distinguished video coordinator, and my good friend, co-host, David Bourne. How are you, dude? William, what is going on? It's been a while. Only my family calls me William. <laughs> and your co-host. <laughs> yes, apparently. But, yeah, so you're good? Yeah, um, I've been good, man. Working hard. Good. A couple days a week and, you know, just taking things day by day. That's good to hear, man. It's good to hear. So, the update for every week, since I impulse bought the Don Drysdale jersey, there have been zero updates since June 18th, so we don't know when it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, never uh, man honestly <laughs> i told you it was gonna be it was gonna be close to two months yeah i yeah i it's all right i got my shohei otani jersey on today because we will be talking about the nl and al west and he plays for the los angeles angels so let's jump into our agenda we're gonna start off with the what you've been thinking we're gonna jump into today in baseball history and we're gonna dive into a topic really revolving around the rules that are surfacing and one of those rules is that it will remain to be only five teams in each league that will go to the postseason. So we're going to talk about that. And then we'll get into the NL and AL West, highlight some key players and transactions there. We're going to skip the draft once again. And then we're going to go into the trivia and the song lyric and then end it with the trending Twitter topic. But if any of our listeners have a fun Twitter story they want us to talk about, trivia they think can stump David or our guests, you can be a part of this show. All you have to do is reach out to us on either Instagram or Twitter. On Instagram, you can DM us at Sometimes Baseball. And on Twitter, you can reach us once again at Sometimes Baseball. Baseball is spelled B-S-B-L. Additionally, if you like our logo, head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash, you guessed it, Sometimes Baseball. If you don't like any of the current designs, you can reach out to our email, which is sometimesbaseball at gmail.com. All right, David, let's start it off. What you been thinking? So um, I have baseball thoughts today. As, uh, okay. as I was at work, I got a tweet notification alerting me that Jose Quintana from the Cubs is out approximately two to three weeks after cutting his hand while washing the dishes. I have never really used a dishwasher. I did for a couple years when I was at school, but growing up, we were always like a hand wash family. It has something to do with my mom being Japanese. She's strictly against the dishwasher. But <laughs> yeah. Never once have I severed <laughs> part of my hand while washing the dishes. So I have been thinking about what could he have possibly been doing or washing that led to a two to three week injury while he was washing the dishes. <laughs> I, I saw that today and I just thought that was I, obviously like you feel bad for him, but it's also kind of like hilarious. Like I've never even gotten close to cutting anything. So the fir yeah, my first like, thought, <laughs> my first thought was that, he definitely was not cutting or washing the dishes. He was doing something yeah. else that he didn't want anybody to know about. Gosh. That's what I was thinking also. But um, I like – if it is a cover-up, I do like that's the, uh, the fact that that's the one they're going with. Yeah, my all-time favorite cover-up story, and this has never been revealed, but it's totally a cover-up, was – when Carlos Correa like fractured his rib getting like a massage or something. Yes, last summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was I out for like, very what, well. six weeks. A month, I think. Yeah, it was like a long time. <laughs> As if the masseuse was like shattering the bones in his body. 
just dropping boulders on his back. Like, yeah. <laughs> Wild. Oh, geez. Yeah. Jason Stark, he likes writing every single year an article talking the injury of the year. And so he gets like all these random injuries. Um, somebody, he fell off like the roof of his barn. Somebody, I think Salvador Perez, he was moving into his new place at Kansas City and slipped bringing the suitcases in and tore his ACL or something. <laughs> Jeez. And there's just so many random things that can happen. Yeah. She's, um, I remember somebody cut like their ligament um, because when they went to get their shampoo bottle, like they crushed it too hard. It broke. And then it went into like some ligament in their hand. <laughs> and it, and it, like, yeah, there's a lot of weird things it, that can happen. Um, yeah. And it makes you wonder like, does this happen to random people often, you know, like, or is it only happening to athletes and we're just hearing about it because they're famous? You don't have a, like, could I wake up tomorrow and go in my shower and open the shampoo too strongly and it cuts something in my hand? You know, <laughs> so it's pretty weird. Yeah. And I think those stories are important because they humanize these players that people look up yeah. to as someone more than human. And I think those fun stories bring them back down. Obviously, you feel bad because they cannot compete and they can't earn future money potentially. But at the same time, like it helps us as fans because it reminds us that they are too, in fact, human. And they too yeah, just do like me dumb and you. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a great thought. I really like that. <laughs> All right. So my thought, and this kind of culminated at the end of our show last week because we ended with video games. And I got talking about Lego Star Wars and how that was my favorite video game growing up. Carrie talked about how his favorite video game growing up was Legends of Zelda. And Carrie also mentioned how Lego Marvel is big. And that kind of got me thinking, like, what would my superpower be? Like, what would I want my superpower to be? And I thought the most practical superpower for me is teleportation, being able to, like, go from, like, one spot to another. Because I just think that would be, like, the best, most practical superpower. And I'm a very practical person. <laughs> and I've always wanted to go to, like, all these, like, different random places. But, like, I never have like the time to do it because I'm too busy around here do running around doing stuff. And so even in my day-to-day -day life, teleportation would be awesome, you know, because it would running. be pretty sweet, man. But yeah, I think someday we, we might have it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but uh, eventually there might be something we very well could be old by that or dead and gone by that point. But um, there's going to be teleportation one day, I think. Yeah. I say we call up Elon Musk. We write a letter like we are, we've already written to uh, Lil Wayne and Manfred. Uh, yeah. Manfred. Yeah. We'll just write a letter be like, dude, have you thought about this? <laughs> we could. Yeah. <laughs> or he'll probably spend his money on more important things though, like flamethrowers or, or square cars or whatever else. Yes. Yes. On. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy, uh, he's interesting for sure. All right, let's jump into something else interesting. Today in baseball history. So July 2nd, 2012. This is super fun. Shortstop Billy Hamilton of the Bakersfield Blaze of the California League steals his 100th base of the season in his team's 78th game. That's right, 100 stolen bases and 78 games. And he was going after the all-time minor league record. Vince Coleman said it with 135 stolen bases. So Billy Hamilton, the way he was able to do that was at that time that he stole his 100 base, 
he was batting 327, OBP of 412. And for that year, he ended up stealing 155 bases that season. And as soon as he got to the major leagues, he just forgot to get on base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy part about Billy Hamilton. Like, when he's on, he's so fun to watch. But the hard part is he's only on, like, 275% of the time. Or, you know what I mean? Like, his, his OBP is so low. But, 27.5%, um, yeah. Yeah. Except for against the Pirates, who, <laughs> like, in the last four years, we've watched so many Pirates games. And I feel – I want to find out his stats against the Pirates because they have to be something absurd. Because if Billy Hamilton played against the Pirates 162 times a year, he would be an all-star. Well, let's see if we can find it. I'm, I'm trying. He's hitting 280 against the Pirates. I found it. Oh, wow. Which has to be higher than his career batting average. OPS 687, pretty decent, 104 total bases. Does he have a home run? That would be the big stat. Two against the Pirates. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, dude, he, he's a beast. 56 stolen bases also, which seems to be the most he has against any team in the majors. Whoa, 56. 56 stolen bases against the Pirates in 78 games. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that, that's that same number 78 games that he took to steal 100. So, I guess it's not completely yeah. ridiculous. But still, I mean, they did have a concussed Francisco Cervelli behind the plate for a good portion of that. So, he probably could have stole 150. Uh, in this <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, let's move on as more and more rules are coming, are coming up to light about what the season is really going to look like. We're still waiting on the schedule, but one of the rules that is going to stay is that only five teams from each league will be making the postseason, which is how it's been the last few years with the three division winners and the two wildcard teams. And I personally think there is a lot of potential in having eight teams from each league because you could have so many more fan bases engaged and like every game really matters. Like it's not to say that they don't matter with only five teams making it, but like if you have 16 teams making it more than half the teams are making it. And like you are on the edge of your seat because you know, you, you can be 500 and still make the playoffs. And like, that's very exciting. I think for some fan bases. So David, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. I, uh, I do think it's sort of weird that the MLB didn't end up going to that expanded playoffs because it seemed like during the whole negotiation process, that was like a really big part of what the owners wanted. You know, like I'm sure you saw the rumors every time something came out, they said, you know, prorated salaries, expanded playoffs, this, that, and the other. And the expanded playoffs was always something that was mentioned. And then once the deal was finalized upon, it didn't end up happening. But yeah, it would have been cool to switch it up, I guess. And if you were going to ever try to switch something up, this would be the year for it because it's sort of just a wonky year anyway. Yeah. But um, could be a missed opportunity from the league there, or they might just be saying, you know, like we accept the fact that it is a weird year, but we don't want it to be like too weird and, and, and comical at the same time. You know, yeah. we, like, we just want to keep things as traditional as we possibly can in this season. Yeah. Yeah, I really did think this was the year to try as many different ridiculous things as you can. They are doing some interesting, ridiculous things, and we'll get into that next week as we talk about all the rules and what they really are going to have an impact on. But for now, let's go on to the main topic of the week, which is we're going to break down the NL West followed by the AL West. So 
National League West, we will start with the Diamondbacks. Key additions there, obviously, at the top, Madison Bumgarner. He's, they've added an ace to the staff. I didn't know this, but last year they won 85 games. Like, they were right there in the playoff hunt. Mm-hmm. They only missed it by four, three, four games uh, behind the Brewers there. Then they also added Cole Calhoun, previous Gold Glove Award winner, on a two-year deal, and they traded for Starling Marte. Uh, key subtractions there, they released Taiwan Walker and uh, Wilmer Flores left as well. So, David, thoughts on the Diamondbacks for this upcoming year? Um, not sure if they have enough to win the division there, but I think they're going to hang around. Like you said, um, they did win a lot of games last year, even though they sold at the deadline, which was sort of bizarre because they managed yeah. to stay in the hunt. Because <laughs> obviously, as a Phillies fan, I was keeping pretty close eyes on that um, the second wild card spot, and the Diamondbacks were always in the mix for things there. But um, I'm a huge Starling Marte fan. Got to watch him a a ton in the last four years. And I think he's just a pretty complete player and contributes a lot to uh, any lineup or wherever he's playing in the field. Not sure. I love the details of the Madison Bumgarner contract before the short, uh, the short term looks pretty solid. You know, he's like you said, he solidifies their top, uh, the top of their staff a little bit. And uh, Cole Calhoun's a nice piece in the outfield as well. So their outfield's really talented and they have some other, key pieces in their in their lineup as well of course you have Cattell Marte who was just raking last year I can't yeah. recite the stats <laughs> off the top of my head but it was absolutely ridiculous David Peralta is usually pretty consistent and I'm always I always like the idea of Jake Lamb more than I actually like Jake Lamb but <laughs> yeah. um now that he doesn't have to feel they can just focus on hitting I think that might be a pretty interesting watch yeah it, it's it, it, the Diamondbacks are a very interesting team. I have all, I'm right there with you. I've always liked the idea of Jake Lamb. Yeah, Cattell Marte, he finished fourth in MVP voting last year. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, you would never guess if you just had to rattle off, like, who finished fourth in MVP voting last year. You, that yeah. would not be my first ten guesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, something about their lineup is it, it gets sneaky deep. Like, you're looking at Marte, he's going to take a step back. Like, there's no way he can repeat that. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Marte and Marte, the other Marte they traded for, uh, Eduardo Escobar, David Peralta, Christian Walker, he, he dude, he's going to be something, I think. Christian Walker, I saw him uh, in last year in Pittsburgh here, and he was raking that entire series. I was about, He had a really hot start, didn't he, just in general, mm-hmm. and like sort of tailed off towards the end. But, yeah, he put up really big numbers. Yeah, and then Carson Kelly, I think he's going to be great for them in the future. And then I think the Madison Bumgarner deal is important. It might not have been the best deal, but it might be the most important. Because after Robbie Ray, I think, will walk in this year, he's probably going to leave in free agency. They have all these really talented young pitchers ready to take those next steps in the rotation between behind Bumgarner in terms of Weaver, Gallon. Uh, they got this guy, John Duplantier. Uh, Merrill Kelly is probably going to take that fifth spot. So Matt Bumgarner is probably going to be the most important for them. And another thing with the Diamondbacks, some I was really didn't make a lot of sense to me is they just gave up on Taiwan Walker. And I, I don't know where he's going to, I don't know how his future is going to look, but I just remember him with the Mariners was like the next big thing. And then they gave up on him, and now the Diamondbacks have given up on him. I was just going to say that uh, he was with – how did he come to Arizona? Segura, I think, in the Segura trade. He might have ended up with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. yeah. And everybody was talking about him. It was pretty crazy, you know. And then – I don't know. I don't, I don't really see it. Uh, I feel like he – I'm going to go against you here. I, I feel okay. like he had enough of a chance in, you know, the last couple of years. And 
I'm wishing him the best. I, he might be able to hang around, but I don't know if he's ever going to reach that ceiling that he was originally supposed to to get to. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the Dodgers. Key additions. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Mookie Betts, the third best player. Yeah. <laughs> Second or third best player in baseball. David Price came along in that deal. They re-signed Alex Wood. They brought in Blake Trinan, who had a horrendous year last year after an all-star year in 2018. And uh, as part of the deal to get rid of Kenta Maeda, they brought in Bruce Starr Greatorol, a big bullpen piece for him. Key subtractions, Hyunjin Ryu, the uh, starter he left in free agency to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Rich Hill, they lost. Russell Martin left. Alex Verdugo was traded. And David Freese retired. So, before we break it down this team, David, agree or disagree, this year is the make or break year for Dave Roberts. With all this talent, he has to win to keep his job. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And um, for Dave Roberts and for the Dodgers as a whole, really, because like, how much better can you get than the team you have now? Yeah. Oh, God. Like, is it possible? I don't really think so. And how many times do you keep running it back and running it back until you say, you know, like, we have to make some sort of adjustment here. So I think, like you said, Dave Roberts definitely on the hot seat. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, if they have a rocky start, you know, like, would they consider switching something up? Would they ride it out for the whole year or, or how they're going to do it? But um, I yeah. really don't expect that rocky start. I guess I shouldn't lead with that but I think the Dodgers are going to win a lot of baseball games again yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, I do too let's just run through their projected lineup Mookie Betts Mac Max Muncie he can play anywhere Justin Turner is ridiculous he is just so consistent Mm -hmm. um Cody Bellinger MVP Corey Seager uh Jock Peterson is I think is probably going to DH for this team with uh AJ Pollock in uh, left or center, and then you got Will Smith and Gavin Lux heading eighth and ninth. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know how many teams would love having these guys hitting second for them? That's like, the Dodger way, man. Dude, yeah. And then, of they course – They don't rebuild. They reload. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. And then they have 100 million prospects coming up behind them. And then, obviously, the pitching staff is ridiculous. Walker Bueller at the top of that. Kershaw price as the three starter and he was a guy that I pegged that he is going to take big steps forward after his rough year last year and so props to the Dodgers for getting him and then Julio Urias I'm really excited about I think he's going to take that next step because people forget he's still like 20 I think he's our age 21 years old 22 he is yeah because he's been he's been famous since he was like 16 when his eye was all messed up you remember that but, um, yeah, he was throwing, like, 100 when he was 16. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, th- this team is ridiculous. There's nothing really bad to say about them other than if they don't start off well, like, Dave Roberts is done. Yeah, I would agree with you 100% on that one. And that's something I didn't even really think about until this conversation now. But I would ditch them if they have an underwhelming year. Like, you have to win. Come on, yeah. you know, you, you have all the talent in the world there. And I think maybe I'm not going to say you have to win a World Series or you're going, but you, you got to make it. Or, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I think the Dodger fan base as well. I don't know about the ownership group, but the fan base is they are not fans. <laughs> he hasn't really given them much reason to 
to keep faith all this time. You know, yeah. I guess it doesn't help that Clayton Kershaw sort of implodes every single playoffs, but um, <laughs> I, maybe this who, is- who's the scapegoat at the end of the day? You know what I mean? It's, it's the managers who it comes down to. Yep. It's a thankless job unless you win a world series oh, like yeah. every four years. <laughs> so speaking of world series winnings teams, we're going to go to the San Francisco giants. Obviously they're not probably, they're probably not going to win it this year, but at the early part of the 2010s, they won three world series. So key additions for them, Hunter Pence, Drew Smiley, Kevin Gaussman, Wilmer Flores, and new manager Gabe Kapler who I thought was just not – he got a bad deal in Philly. I think he did everything he possibly could have, and he just was handed horrible cards to play. I don't know. David, you're the Philly guy. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, dude, that guy got so much hate in Philly because he was a weirdo, and he talks like uh, Rob Lowe on Parks and Recreation. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, when your pitching staff looks like what the Phillies pitching staff looked like last year or when Sean Rodriguez becomes, like, an everyday outfielder, um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have much of a chance to win huge, like a huge number of games. So, yeah. I guess they sort of had to fire him because you spend all that money in the offseason and it's underwhelming, you know, and the fans are pissed off or whatever. I don't know. I I don't think he really had a fair shot at things. So we'll see what he can do with San Francisco. But I just said that the Dodgers are going to win a lot of games. I think the Giants are going to lose a lot of games. I'm not sure if you uh, agree. Oh, yeah. I I agree, too. There really isn't much there. They also just lost Madison Bumgarner, relief ace Will Smith, not the catcher, and – uh, defensive stalwart Kevin Pillar. They also made this super intriguing trade. They traded for and then immediately released Zach Cozart to essentially buy the prospect Will Wilson from the Angels in the first round, who was the first round selection of the Angels in, uh, in 2019. Uh, the Giants were highly considering drafting will wilson number 10 overall but instead drafted hunter bishop and the angels got wilson at number 15 so i thought this deal was super i'm a big fan of it because they just essentially bought this sick prospect and they're just like we don't even want cozart we but the angels were like we need this money off the books and like that helped them get rendon helped the giants get a prospect i think it was a win-win i'm a fan of that deal i'm, I'm with you on that uh, i think the one thing the two of us really have in common and the fact or, and it's why we're doing this podcast, rather, is that uh, we're huge nerds when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. And that's what I love. Like, when a general manager finds some sort of way to, you know, just wind up with exactly who he wants, it's like chef's kiss, you know what I mean? And yes. um, you see it in the NBA a lot with, like, draft picks and bad deals, but you don't often see it in baseball. And that's why I think it was pretty cool that San Francisco was able to pull that off. Yes, and talking about draft picks, I think baseball needs to do this. I think they need to make the rule of you can trade draft picks. But It would then, add a different element to things for sure. Yeah, but on the same page, they also need to do a lottery system because teams would just stockpile prospects <laughs> in the name of tanking. Yeah, and we're already sort, uh, sort of seeing that a little bit in the fact yes. that teams are just committing to losing 100 games like four years in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There needs to be like something. It's like you can only have one top four selection or whatever. Like, yeah, there needs to be something there. But yeah, lineup giants are kind of just, they basically have everyone still from that 2014 world series team (laughs) outside of uh, some uh, younger guys, but like they still have Brandon belt. They still have, they brought Hunter Pence back. 
still have Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. There's not much to like there. And, like, when your big offseason acquisition is Kevin Gosman, like, <laughs> I just can't buy into whatever you're trying to sell me. I try not to trash too many players on this. If you listen to the last couple episodes, I, I really try my best. But so many people have tried to sell me on Kevin Gosman over the last couple years, and it's just not there. Like, <laughs> he, he did not reach the ceiling in Baltimore. He didn't do anything in Atlanta either. Last year he was awful again. Like, I – I don't see it with him. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think the big addition for them was Gabe Kapler. I like the guy. And this is where I feel for Bryce Harper. He said, like, I knew the Phillies probably weren't going to win in 2019. But I still wanted to go there because I saw what they're doing. And I like Gabe Kapler. And so mm-hmm. just to immediately out Gabe Kapler, that's, that had to have hurt for Harper. I, I don't know. Like, that, that, that's like a gut punch there. I also think they wouldn't have done it if Harper didn't want them to do it, though. See, you know I don't what know. I mean? Like the owners do their own thing. Players are. Eh. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm. I also wonder, like, does somebody like Bryce Harper have as much power as, say, like a LeBron James? You know how LeBron huh. James, like, is sort of like the GM of whatever team he's on at the same time as being a player. Yeah, so I wonder if he has enough pull to influence a decision like that, or, or maybe not, because Kapler got canned anyway. So. Well, I don't know, because baseball is so much different than basketball. In basketball, you can have three insane players, and you can go very, very far. Mm-hmm. You can make the playoffs, no problem. You're probably going to get a top three seat, no problem. Baseball is so much different. Like, looking at the Angels, they have the best players, the two best players in baseball, in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and they still can't make the playoffs. It's a team game more than anything. So I don't think players have, have as much say. Yeah, could be the case, man. All right. Uh, yeah, I agree. There, there we go. Saying, yeah, I agree again. <laughs> this is not the podcast for the fans who want to see people fight. This is a podcast for people <laughs> who want to appreciate the game of baseball. We're doing this for the love of the game. With that being said, let's go to the Padres. And they were wheeling and dealing. And we love wheeling and dealing on this show. Key additions. They brought in Drew Pomeranz, the renowned new relief ace you can get in two <laughs> innings he's the guy for you they brought in zach davies they brought in trent grisham they brought in jerks and profar they brought in tommy fam they brought in emilio pagan they brought in jorge mateo they brought in hunter renfro they bought in manuel margot and they brought in as manager jace tingler no idea who that is anyway <laughs> <laughs> but key subtractions Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Yeah, I was going to correct you on that, but I, I didn't want to cut you off. I misspoke big time. They <laughs> lost Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot in the deals that they acquired Tommy Fan and Emilio Pagan. I, am, yeah, I completely apologize. Big fan of those deals, obviously. Emilio Pagan was just destroying hitters uh, with his pitches last year, and Tommy Fan, I'm a big fan of. But the more intriguing deal, I think, is the one – where they got rid of Luis Urias, who I think is going to be I, – I see some high upside there. And they also got rid of Eric Lauer to bring in Trent Grisham uh, to play center field for him as well as Zach Davies. But, David, thoughts on their offseason? So, as out as I am on Kevin Gosman, I am in on Drew Pomeranz. Uh, 
I get a lot of flack from that from my friends back home. So if any of them are listening to this podcast, they knew this was coming. But I, I really like Drew Pomeranz. I liked him in Boston. And he had a phenomenal year last year as a reliever. He was able to rebuild his career and completely reshape how he pitched. And it worked. So I, I give a lot of credit for oh, that. Yeah. Jorge Mateo, I specifically went to see in double A one time, and he went 0 for 1 with four walks. So that's my <laughs> fun story on him. Overall, I don't have major gripes about the Padres offseason. I don't know. I, I always feel like this Padres team is one year away from being one year away. So maybe yeah. this is the year that they're finally like in the mix. For I think this team, more than anything – well, I mean, we've said this a lot about, about a lot of teams, but – they had a lot. They are a team that had a lot to gain from a full 162. Yeah. Get Fernando Tatis on a field for 145 games. Figure out Will Myers. Because <laughs> Tatis you know, was hurt, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, get him on the field yeah. for 145. Mm-hmm. Uh, let Trent Grisham play. Let him forget that play in the outfield last year. Let Jerks and Profar loose. Say, hey, man, you are, are the starting guy. And just and have – no backlash about it. Grit, get Chris Paddock a full year. And then they also have big name prospects, Mackenzie Gore. Get him in the starting rotation. Like, oh, yeah. Team that had a lot to gain from the full 162. But at the same time, if everybody hits and if everybody pitches well, because you never know with Garrett Richards, I think he could make potentially get that bounce back here. They could sneak into the playoffs. And that's kind of what the shortened season has done for a lot of teams has increased their playoff odds. Yeah, they do. And um, another one thing I like about the Padres that we haven't talked about at all is their bullpen. Really I was about solid. To say, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, think it's underrated. Of course, Kirby Yates kind of mans the ship as the closer, but they've got a really good group of guys in that bullpen. I talked about Drew Pomeres before, but um, Andres Munoz, I don't know if you like looked into him much last year, but he's real young, throws absolute gas. I think he could have a good season. And they've got some other pieces as well. They made some nice acquisitions. So I like what they put together in, uh, on the back end there. Yeah, no, this is a team that can do a lot. I'm very interested to see where they go. But, yes, one year away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, all right, let's move on to the Colorado Rockies. They are a team that is going to hit. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our usual. Key additions, none. Key subtractions. Uh, Ian Desmond just announced that he's going to sit out the season, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is a team that they're kind of going to be in a limbo for a while, unless they. They're really Aaron. mediocre. They need to trade Arenado for two starting pitching prospects and a center fielder or something. Yeah. It might be time for the Rockies to sort of just tear it down, which is unfortunate because they had that stretch there where their lineups were always filthy. I mean, when you have Charlie Blackman and Aaron Otto as your constant 2-3 or 3-4, that's yeah. pretty ridiculous regardless of who's surrounding them. And they always had those pieces also, but they were just never better than the Dodgers. And now, like you said, they're in this weird spot where they're not good, but they're also not bad. And Aaron Otto is making a bajillion dollars. And and he doesn't even want to play there yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in like a fight with the ownership, is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. But I, the worst spot to be in in sports is – where the Colorado Rockies are right now. Like, you're too good to be bad, but you're bad enough where you're not good. Yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna be that team that wins 32 games. 
and missed yeah. the playoffs. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I just remember this. They made the playoffs in 2018. Like, they played in the NLDS. They got stomped on by the Dodgers, but they were there. They Yeah, they just never had the pitching. And then they invested all that money into the bullpen, which, like, I did like at the time, and it just hasn't paid off. You have, like, Wade Davis, and is Brad Boxberger still there? Like, or it, might, know, or it might have been Jake McGee, not even Brad Boxberger, but it just – they paid a lot of money for a very small payout. Yep. This one player to highlight, Brendan Rodgers, he could have benefited from the 162. But, yeah, I, yeah, there's a lot to be said about their lineup, but everybody already knows about it. So, all right. So, starting out with the AL West, we have the Houston Astros. Their major addition this year is the honor of being the most hated team in baseball. Uh, one of their biggest subtractions probably is going to be the last speck of re- respect we had for them. Um, but yeah, getting all that out of the way, they're going to be a decent team. They're going to be really good. <laughs> uh, but they did lose Garrett Cole and one of their biggest bullpen pieces in Will Harris. They didn't make any actual major acquisitions. An acquisition per se is Lance McCullers rejoining that rotation after his Tommy John procedure but he still was a guy that had you wanting that left you wanting more every time he left the mound. So unless he makes that big step, that rotation is going to be a bit thin because Justin Verlander's coming off injury. Zach Granke's going to do what he's going to do, but he's still getting up there in age. But yeah, after them, it, it gets kind of thin of guys with low ceilings and high floors where they're kind of just in like the middle. And I, I don't know, but yeah, their lineup is going to rake. And they also have Dusty Baker, which is basically the opposite of A.J. Hinch. So, thoughts yeah. on the Astros? <laughs> you summed it up pretty well. I think they're going to have to trade for a pitcher. I don't really know how trading this year is going to work with quarantining and all that. But um, I think if you want to make a deep run, they're going to have to add somebody there because I just don't see, like, Brad Peacock or, or somebody stepping up and being a really solid number four. If they can pick up a pitcher, I would feel pretty comfortable in saying that they could win the West. I know there's a team in the AL West that you're big on, and we're probably going to touch that later. But um, I, I, yeah, I still love the the idea of this Astros team. Of course, you mentioned all their, you know, dirty deeds. But um, for just from a pure baseball standpoint, that lineup is hard to top. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, but people forget that Forrest Whitley, he can make his debut this year, which could be huge for them, but he's got to pitch exceptionally well. And, and off the juice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Oakland Athletics. They made the playoffs last year and were quickly bounced by the Tampa Bay Rays, another small market team. So major additions – Ah, uh, if you can count Tony Kemp as a major addition, uh, good for you. And then if you can count major subtractions of Homer Bailey, again, good for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we're, we're going to appreciate what the athletics have put together. So they have Marcus Semyon, who finished, I believe, second? No, third in MVP last year, right? Mm-hmm. Behind Trout. He, he was up there. I, I don't know the – Yeah, it was Trout, Bregman, Semyon. And so he's, he's probably going to take a step back, but he's still going to be man in the shortstop position. I love the combo of Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. Those guys. Oh yeah. I love those guys. Defensive prowess, (laughs) field, everything hit your way. And then some, and also hit 38 bombs a year, obviously not going to happen this year, but I'm still, I love what they have. 
Ramon Laureano, he, I think he's fun. The guy with the big arm in center field. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Chris Davis, once again, just hitting rockets and striking out and hitting 32. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so their rotation, it's basically all the guys that are big-name prospects at some point or another, and the athletics are just hoping they can hit. Or, I mean, pitch very well. Yep. And then they got the bullpen to back them up. Guys like Liam Hendricks, Joaquin Soria, Yusmero Petit, and Lou Trevino. So, Slippery yeah. rock guy, Lou Trevino. That's P-Stack baseball right there. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a great fantasy piece last year. or the year. Yes, before. he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- there was a point where – especially in, like, a category league because he had a real low ERA. But – um. The A's are fun, man. You said it. You, you said it pretty well. And the A's are what they are. They're always just going to be a ragtag bunch they put out there, but somehow they're going to win a decent amount of games. Yeah, so, of course, no major acquisitions because when has that ever happened? But um, <laughs> we'll see what they can do. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch, if anything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited for them. I want to see A.J. Puck do so well. Jesus Lazaro do so well. I want to see that happen. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. And uh, uh, some interesting to potentially watch is their first selection in draft, Tyler Soderstrom, considered the number one overall catcher prospect in the draft. He signed is and is on their 60-man player pool for the Oakland Athletics. So he could potentially be in that starting lineup every day. Good um, for him. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a guy going right from the draft as a hitter and being right up there in the big leagues. So I'm, I'm very interested on that. All right, jumping to the Los Angeles Angels. They added Anthony Rendon, Dylan Bundy, and Jason Castro, and they lost, as we said earlier, Cole Calhoun. But the biggest addition is going to be Shohei Otani back into that starting rotation. So, David, thoughts on their rotation and the team? Um, so I know you're a big Tony Two Bags guy. And when I said that there was a team in the West that uh, I know you have a little soft spot for, this is who I was referring to. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if their rotation can hold up. Uh, this is just on paper definitely the most solid it's been in, what, probably like three, four years. Yeah. But um, it's just a matter of, like, what is Andrew Heaney exactly? What is Dylan Bundy? Um, I like Julio uh, Tehran. He usually just goes out there and eats innings and does his job. But um, I don't know. Otani's huge, too. Like, is his arm going to fall off? Can he pitch? Or what exactly is that going to look like? So there's a lot of question marks there, but it could just all sort of gel together and work perfectly. I'm going to hold out faith that it does because I also sent you this picture yeah. of – Shohei Otani in the original spring training, spring training 1.0, and his arms were bigger than my torso. Like, this dude clearly (laughs) put in work. (laughs) And he also now has an Instagram account, which is so much fun to just follow along with. (laughs) He's like, some of his captions are like, how do I run this? Like, am I allowed to speak English on here? Like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for it. And I'll ask you this question. Do you think Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball? Or is it Mike Trout? Uh, that is a weird question. Because if you can play on both sides of the 
ball and do it well, then I, I feel compelled to say yes, but I also don't want to because Mike Trout exists. So, um, yeah, it's one of the more intriguing questions. And I think 2020 will be the year to answer it. Yeah. For now, I'm going to say Mike Trout. Okay. If, that, no, that's, if, but yeah. if Otani can go out there and be effective on, on both ends, then, you know, that changes the story. But um, for the time being, I'm, I'm going to go with Money Mike. Yeah, no, it's the smart investing option. It's, he's got the track yeah. record, and you know what he's going to do every single year. But I'm just so high on Otani. I've been following this guy since 2016 before he was ever even a thought to come to the Angels. And so I, I love this guy. I'm wearing his jersey right now, like I said earlier. So yeah. big Otani guy. Let's move on to the Texas Rangers. Uh, the most interesting deal that Carrie and I talked about last week was when they bought – super low on Corey Kluber and good for them. Uh, they also added Kyle Gibson and yeah. <laughs> old Todd Frazier. <laughs> uh, they did uh, trade Nomar Mazzara, which I thought was very interesting to the White Sox. And they also lost Hunter Pence, who was a big bat for them uh, in the previous year. But yeah, so David, let's hear uh, the thoughts on the Rangers for this upcoming year. Um, don't love them. <laughs> and I, I don't really have much to say. I, I really want to see what Corey Kluber has left in the tank. I've been a huge Corey Kluber guy for years. I think he's just pure business and um, just goes out there and gets the job done. But I don't know. When the, when the back end of your rotation is Jordan Lyles, Kyle Gibson, and Mike Miner, don't love it. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Rangers had huge expectations for the offseason. Like, there was all that Rendon talk. You know, yeah. they picked up Kluber. Everybody was saying, what are the Rangers going to do? They have that new stadium coming. And then they didn't really do anything. That, that's how I feel about the Texas Rangers. Yes. No, yeah. It, it, they're all valid points. I will say that a fair amount of guys in their lineup have the upside where if they go on those 40-game uh, stretches of sustained batting, then they can potentially make the playoffs. Because, I mean, uh, you've seen Runyan Odor mash baseballs. You've seen mm -hmm. Joey Gallo mash baseballs. You've seen Todd Frazier even mash baseballs. And they also have Willie Calhoun, who they acquired in the U Darvish deal back in 2017. They have all these guys. And it's just a matter of can their peaks all align at the same time and they can just win a bunch of games in a row. Yeah, you said it pretty well. The lineup is solid, and they have a lot of consistent players. Elvis Andrews always just is Elvis Andrews. He's going to play really solid defense, and he's probably going to hit, like, above 275. Yeah, so the, the hitting is there. I just don't know if the pitching is even close to where it needs to be in order to be competitive in that division, and I think a lot of that depends on Corey Kluber. Yeah. So moving on to the Seattle Mariners. Not really much in the additions department, subtractions. The guy, King Felix. Yeah, I don't know. JB, <laughs> JP Crawford have another step in the right direction. Are we looking at Daniel Vogelbach returning to the earth as a refrigerator? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know much about the Mariners. I will say, though, that they do have some sick prospects. Uh, uh, between the likes of Justice Sheffield, who I think could make it happen, as well, as well as the number eight overall prospect, Julio Rodriguez, as well as the number 14 overall prospect, Jared Kellenick. Kellenick. Jared Kellenick? 
Kalinic, Kalinic, whatever it is. We know, we know who you mean. Yeah. <laughs> the guy from the Mets. Yeah. Yes, the guy from the Mets. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, watch out for the Mariners. Just not right now. And I think that's pretty much going to sum up what the Mariners are going to look like over sixty games. Another team that I think you would probably agree that they could have used one hundred sixty-two just to test guys out. Yeah, for, for Mariners fans, it's probably good that it's a shortened season just because they are spared from watching an additional 100 games of this team. Like you said, they, they probably could have used the development there. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're rebuilding. You know, there's, there's nothing else to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that wraps that up. If you disagree with all of our takes, feel free to DM us. We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to the trivia question from the 21st century to Stump David. Which jersey, Majestic, unfortunately, they will no longer be selling the branded baseball jerseys anymore. So that last this last year, they came out and announced the, like they do every year, the highest selling jersey in 2019, as well as the highest selling jersey of all time. So my question to you, David, is, do you know who the highest selling jersey was in 2019? And do you know who the most selling jersey of all time is? Of all time? Yeah. Can you name both? So, so of 2019 and of all time? Yes. The question is, who 2019, I'm going to go, oh, I, I'm torn between two. It's, it's either going to be Bryce Harper or Aaron Judge because those two are the big names. Harper was new on the Phillies, which is the only reason why I want to say him. But I do see a ton of people anywhere I go with Aaron Judge jerseys on. I also live in sort of a Yankees area, so that may sway the kind of jerseys I see. But the Yankees are the most popular team, so I'm going to lock in Aaron Judge for 2019. Um, Close. <laughs> he was right behind what? Harper. Oh! <laughs> it, it, they, they said it was like by like a couple thousand jerseys. Like it was real close. <laughs> oh! That's a tough one, but all-time popular Derek Jeter. Yep, there you go. All right, yeah, I, I figured like who doesn't like Derek Jeter, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you could walk into a Cincinnati Reds game between them and the Pirates and see somebody wearing a Derek Jeter jersey. Like it, they, everybody wears Derek Jeter jerseys. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this brought about the question, which I think is kind of fun and brings some nostalgia. So what was your first baseball jersey and which jersey would you like to acquire next? What was my first baseball jersey? That's a tough one. It would have had to have been Phillies or Derek Jeter. <laughs> one of the two. I always liked Derek Jeter growing up. I saw him play in Trenton a couple of times, which was pretty cool. And I met him at Yankee Stadium, which was awesome. But uh, I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to go with it was either Derek Jeter or probably like Pat Burrell or somebody like that. Like, Ooh, I'm just Pat trying Burrell. to think of people that – yeah, people that were on the Phillies, like, for my entire life. And Pat Burrell is the first name that comes to mind. And I know I did have some apparel at some point. So, it was either Jeter or Burrell. I'm going to go with Nice, nice. Dude, I, Pat Burrell, man, that guy. He, he was kind of like the American dad on that team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just how I viewed him. <laughs> there are uh, there's also some hilarious x-rated pat burl stories that you can find on the internet which i'm not going to share on here but um okay for you and, and anybody listening yeah if, if you want to look up some some pat burl stories there's some very good ones online nice um <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to write that down. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my first jersey, we didn't really have jerseys growing up. We were a jersey family. Mm-hmm. Or the free T-shirts they would give out <laughs> if you were like the first yeah. fifteen thousand people to the game. <laughs> but my first jersey, uh, I didn't get it until college, freshman year, and that was when I learned about those cheap sites. And the first jersey I got was a Trey Turner jersey, I, and I'm very happy about that. And this past year, David and I, we went to many pirates games and part of that was going to he went with two of them with me and i went to all four nationals games uh when they were in pittsburgh and every single day i left work walked to pnc park and just held my Trey turner jersey until he came by and the first three days didn't sign anything and the fourth day i finally got his uh, signature so i'm still looking for a frame for the jersey the Trey turner jersey but i'm very excited about that yeah, that, that was awesome. It was good that it finally worked at the end of the day, too, because we had to get there very early in order to uh, to make that happen. And I know you got there very early, four days in a row. So I was glad you were able to pull it off. Yeah, yes. All right, and then the second part of that question, which jersey do you want next? I was looking for, like, a Team USA jersey because I was looking for something to wear for, uh, for the 4th of July, which is coming up. And I found one. I think it was on Poshmark. It's a Giancarlo Stanton Team USA jersey, and I think it's like fifty bucks. And I might pull the trigger Ooh. on it. But um, <laughs> so I guess that is or uh, one of the new like faux back Pirates jerseys they came out with. Do you see those? They're like sort of retro, but like a, a modern twist on that yeah. retro look. Yeah. yeah. So one maybe one of those. Okay. No. Yeah, I do like those uh, the the script Pirates jerseys that they got. Uh, the black, mm-hmm. obviously, the black. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, So I was thinking about this the other day. I I like fun and I like exciting. So I think the next jersey I would probably want to get is either a Vlad Guerrero Jr. or a Wander Franco. He's the big-name prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays. But I think to get a Wander Franco jersey, I need to see the production first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I was at a Nationals game – uh, two, three years ago, and someone in front of me was wearing a Lucas Giolito jersey and a Nationals Lucas Giolito jersey, and that just hurt to see. <laughs> that's that's sort of a cool one to have, though. I, I act, Funny story, actually. I was working, and uh, I was working as a summer camp counselor, and at around 1 p.m., I got the alert that said, breaking news, Lucas Giolito has just showed up in the Nationals clubhouse. And so I actually texted Carrie, who was living at our house. And I said, hey, I'm going to get tickets. You're going to come with me. We're going to go watch his debut. (laughs) And we sat up in the boonies and right field, like (laughs) as high as you could possibly get. You know, I found the cheapest Mm -hmm. tickets I could find. And uh, the whole day we were concerned because it was supposed to thunderstorm. And it, eventually the, day, the, the game ended up getting rained um, in a big rain delay after like the fourth inning. And so we left after the fourth inning. But what we saw in Lucas Giglio's start, I was like, wow, this guy's going to be amazing. Obviously, he didn't turn around until this last year. But all the way up there, I can see Lucas Giglio's curveball breaking in a way I've never seen anybody's curveball breaking. And I was like, wow, this guy's going to be crazy good. So that was my fun Lucas Giglio jersey or story. There you go. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so we're gonna keep it moving and go to the song lyric of the day. So what you got for us, David? All right, so I did mention that 4th of July is coming up in the, uh, the Jersey discussion. So I went with 4th of July music also. And uh, it's not really 4th of July music, but it does have to do with fireworks. And it is Indoor Fireworks by Elvis Costello with the lyric, Indoor fireworks can still burn your fingers. Um, doesn't mean much, but for anybody, anybody lighting fireworks this weekend, please be careful because even if they're inside, they can still burn your fingers. I like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how many. We never had fireworks because where we grew up, they didn't. It was legal. But, and I would also hear my dad say, because he's the most, he, he will always say, He's all about safety. And he talked about this when he was on the show. And so we never had those because he would tell those graphic stories of people burning their hands. And I'm like, dad, I'm four. Like, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. He, yeah. Him and Elvis Costello, they, they have similar thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's my story with fireworks. So here's my song lyric of the day. Dave is really going to appreciate this. This is from the, uh, mashup of Meek Mill and Drake on the song Going Bad and the lyric goes Don Corleone trust me at the top it isn't lonely everybody acting like they know me and I just thought that was so cool so you can put yourself <laughs> in Drake's shoes because you can just see him at a party and he he doesn't know he maybe knows like four or five people that are actually there like that are his close friends and, and at the but like everyone else they're acting like they know him and that's like why they're there and yeah <laughs> but yeah he's definitely at the top of the rap game and uh it's not lonely in terms of there are people that are always like around him and so i, I just thought that was like another cool lyric plus you're a big meek mill guy because he's philly he's philly tough <laughs> yeah I, i'm big on meek and drake those are there's a yeah two of my favorite uh two of my favorite rappers yeah. <laughs> oh, all right we're gonna end the show with the trending twitter topic so uh david mentioned that he did see this yesterday and i think it's really fun to talk about so what is your favorite sports statistic that blows your mind every time you see it all right i had a really good one about joey Votto that i saw yesterday a friend of mine sent it to me while we were discussing this and it was pretty ridiculous uh, here it is. It's Joey Votto pop-ups by year. So in in 2010, he had zero. In 2011, 12, 13, and 14, he had one in all of those seasons. Yeah. Like, we, you know, one each year. Uh, 2015, he put up a whopping two pop-ups. And uh, 2016, none. 2017, one again. And 2018, zero. So... <laughs> Since 2010, Joey Votto has popped it up seven times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stats. And th this actually got news last year because for the first time, he popped up to the first baseman. <laughs> yeah. And what that really tells me about Joey Votto is he is in such control. And he's also never late. And that's why mm -hmm. you pop the ball up is because you're late. And Joey Votto's always been the guy that he chokes up on the bat 
you know, uh, just yeah. because he wants like that extra back control and he's not going to be late. Uh, but yeah, that, that just really go, di- helps you dive into the mind of Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually, I, I absolutely love that stat about him. I never knew that until yesterday. Like, obviously I knew Joey Votto is a really good hitter, but I, that, yeah, that completely caught me off guard. Yeah, no, that, that's a great one. I love that one. Here's mine. So Stan Musial has, is fourth all-time in hits uh, with 3,630 of them in his career. And the amazing stat is that 1,815 of those hits were at home and 1,815 of those hits were on the road. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy that could just walk right out of bed and hit no matter where he was. And that is one of the most telling statistics about Stan Musial. That's why he was Stan the man. And yeah, people love him. And he was yeah, always a weird funky stance too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And it, there was also something else that I saw. It was like in like, he had like so many, like he led like a decade in hits, doubles and triples or something. And like, wow. because like he just always busted it out of the box. Like he never, like he never took an at bat off. Yeah, for his career, uh, the 3,630 hits, 725 doubles, 177 triples, and 475 home runs. The uh, dude was ridiculous. Wow. He also uh, was in the military for a year, so he missed that. But all around, great guy, stand the man. And David, you are also the man. Thank you so much for joining the show. I so much appreciate it. And you help me appreciate the game of baseball. So thank you. Thank you, Trout. It means a lot, buddy. All right. I will talk to you later.